Hi, this is Pastor Anna Sorensen at French Creek Lutheran Church in Ettrick, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining together in worship, even as we can't join together in person. A reading from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt, because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this, to indicate the kind of death by with which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them. And we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Follow me, Jesus said to Simon Peter. What does it mean to follow someone who has died? What does it mean to follow someone who has been resurrected? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus says these words, follow me, after he has spoken of his return. He gave Peter and the beloved disciple and us a vision of the future in which Jesus' presence is again in the world. A hope for the future and a command, which is also an invitation. Follow me. Jesus could have said a lot of things, but the last words to Peter are, follow me. This command, also an invitation, 
is to become a participant in Jesus' ministry of reconciliation and love. To become a participant in the future that God intends for the whole world. It seems very theoretical to talk about following Jesus or to speak of becoming a participant in the future that God intends for the world, to speak of being an agent of reconciliation. Such big words. Christian action is always concrete. It's not theoretical or philosophical. We love actual people real people. We engage in specific acts of love and forgiveness with specific real people in specific time and situations. The love and forgiveness of God is always specific and personal, and our love of the world and Christian witness is always specific as well. That means, for example, when we feed the hungry— We don't do so generally, but personally. We give to a particular specific ministry, or we cook a meal for real people. And this is true even when we are working with an organization that runs a feeding ministry on the other side of the world. Real people whom Jesus loves specifically and particularly. Following Jesus is not theoretical. It is particular. Today I want to invite us to consider how we live out this command from Jesus, follow me. And I want to think about this by exploring the words of the baptismal liturgy. In the Lutheran Church, when children are brought to the waters of baptism, their parents or responsible adults are also part of the process. Recognizing the great work that God is doing in the life of the child, the parents respond by making promises to God, promises to the child, and promises to the church. There are five things that Christian parents promise to do. One, to live with the child among God's faithful people. Two, to bring them to the Word of God and the Holy Supper. Three, to teach them the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments. Four, to place in their hands the Holy Scriptures. And five, to nurture them in faith and prayer. These are also things we do for ourselves and things we do for Christians within our sphere of influence. Let's break them down a little bit. Firstly, to live among God's faithful people. We do not separate ourselves from the community of faith. When parents make this promise, they promise to surround the children with people who believe in Christ, to model a life of faith which permeates all of life, not just Sunday mornings, and to make sure that adults in their sphere of influence are people of faith. Second, to bring them to the Word of God and the Holy Supper. We participate in the worship life of the congregation. 
Christian faith is a communal faith. Of course, if you are in a shelter-in-place situation, which many of us are, we do not meet together in person right now, but we do worship in our homes. Little congregations. You can open your hymnal and use it for worship. French Creek will email you materials every week so that you can worship at home. And there are a myriad of online services for you to access. Teach them the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments. These three things are the foundational pieces of faith, and we memorize them, not because memorizing them makes us better Christians, but so they can be recalled to mind in time of need. If these foundational pieces are not firmly lodged in your memory, I encourage you to work on memorizing or re-memorizing them. Fourth, Christian parents promise to place in their hands holy scriptures. You know, Bibles are nice on the bookshelf. But in our hands, the Word of God has more of an opportunity to make its way into our hearts. Christians are to read Scripture regularly. I like to read a psalm each morning with my morning coffee, and I'm now doing this online on Facebook at 7 a.m. You can join me there. Pick up that Bible. Read the Scriptures. And fifth, Christian parents promise to nurture their children in faith and in prayer. See, we pray for and with one another. We include trust in Jesus in all parts of our life, and we model this for our young ones, for our peers, and for our elders. These Five promises are included in the baptismal liturgy, but they are not the ends in and of themselves. The baptismal liturgy goes on, that we do these things so that they may trust God, proclaim Christ in word and deed, care for others and the world God made, and work for justice and peace. These four results are things that are seen in living a Christian life. First, trust God. Having steeped ourselves in a community of faith, in scripture and in prayer, our young ones, and of course we ourselves, learn that the God who makes promises keeps promises. We have heard the testimony of the faithful and the prayers of the people and the lament of the brokenhearted. And we put our trust in God rather than in humans or human leaders or human institutions. Next, proclaim Christ. Having steeped ourselves in a community of faith, of scripture and prayer, the language of faith and scripture becomes like a mother tongue for us. It is not a strange thing for people of faith to speak of our trust in the God of resurrection. It is not a strange thing for us to proclaim our hope that even in the face of trials and terrors, death does not have the last word. 
Third, to care for others and the world God made. As we speak resurrection, we speak life. And we enact our hope for eternal life in the way that we care for others and the world. The God of life desires that we work for life, not just in the hereafter, but also in the here and now. We show our love and our trust in the God of resurrection by our love for people and for the world. And finally, work for justice and peace. As we care for people and for the world, we often notice how the systems of the world do not support life and flourishing for all. And we work to make the world a better place. Again, for example, if we feed the hungry, at the same time, if we employ others, we pay a wage that allows them to eat. And we advocate that all laborers be paid a wage that allows them to buy enough food. We seek to live peaceable lives with our neighbors, but we also advocate for conditions and laws that help ensure peace between peoples. These are the four outcomes of a Christian life. The visible signs to trust God, to proclaim Christ, to care for others in the world God made, and to work for justice and peace. These things happen in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our very particular lives. This is Christian discipleship. It is both as simple as heeding the call of Jesus to follow me. And it is as complex as the nine-part liturgical baptismal promise. It happens both in a moment and in the intentions and decisions and habits for the rest of one's life. Christian discipleship is so simple that the youngest child is a part of the cloud of witnesses And it is so complex that many on their deathbeds feel that they are only beginners. This is the command and the call of Jesus. Follow me.